Taking the time Do things right Nurturing the grain All through the night Finding independence On the whiskey trail Oh, I got whiskey On my mind budget has gone and that's um as an old friend that um a friend of the i suppose the company especially of glengoyne dave arcari and you were talking mm. about blues music and it was just in my mind gordon a few weeks ago when you're talking mm-hmm. about bourbons and i thought i know a guy that plays blues and loves whiskey dave arcari yeah. what do you think fantastic really really good he's brought the level up of <laughs> this podcast to 11 <laughs> 11 best better than 10 so we'll really catch up with dave and we'll get him on the show hopefully before christmas and maybe get him to play live but let's see how that goes well welcome how are you gordon well i mean i'm 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 all right it's been another week of uh we've done we did a live tasting at the weekend uh you and i along with some friends john glass for glengoyne that was good fun great fun really good if uh... you were you know watching it thank you very much and it's still still available i think you can still catch it if you should wish to see yeah see the sauna you can you can catch <laughs> that uh it's really interesting to get john on we also had emma newton on earlier in the series at the beginning in the sort of first series but uh it's great to hear from the blending team because they give you those insights that you just don't hear and that's what we wanted to try and do is fundamentally as part of this podcast was to be uh, try and be amusing uh try and be relevant but also bring you insights as a producer, which was great about John doing that that tasting for us as well. It's some job. It's that that's the part of when you when you take people around a distillery. That's the part they don't see. What happens next exactly. when the casks leave the the site and go to be blended? That's the big story, isn't it? Exactly. Yeah, and we're going to bring you some more insights, maybe even in this episode a little bit later on about whiskey making as a producer. We may have an insider's guide, a special edition. Uh, Gordon, your task, apart from giving us the news, and I think we'll have a wee look at some Christmas gifts, and we'll maybe have a. a I've, I've got a new Christmas game. I want to try and launch. You know, <laughs> love a Christmas game. Just on this side, I want to launch it. So I'll be working yeah. on it. But what are you drinking? I'll tell you what I'm drinking. I have got, after this year of being at home, I have literally about 50 sample bottles of just whiskies. Um, and this is one which just says on it, American Oak, Sherry Hogshead, 2006, 65.8% alcohol. So I'm like, and it's just a, it was a sample. It was a, I think it's a sort of constituent part of something. Uh, anyway, I'm just drinking that. It's absolutely fabulous. I've have added a bit of water at well, 65.8. But I beautiful. was having a conversation with somebody, and um, they were just saying, could we have a little more in-depth conversation about the oak and the American and the European oak? But maybe leave that for the new year, Gordon. Yeah, no, I mean very different. But yeah, we'd be more than happy to do that. There's plenty of. We've got plenty of coverage across Glengoyne and Tamdu on that. We spoke about it actually on Saturday as well. Um, so yeah, we'd be happy to do that uh, in the new year for sure. Maybe I've come across this before, but I've got a Glen Scotia Victoriana cask oh. strength, fifty-four point two percent, and it That's is a good whiskey. Well, yeah, lovely and um, looks like bourbon barrels. The mm-hmm. colour lighter, but my goodness, it's a lovely spicy. Full palette, as they say, dram. Where did you pick that up from, Gordon? That's just, again, a little tasting bottle. When I was doing oh. one of my little tasting sessions, I like to taste whiskeys from around the world, which oh, is something great. that we might... And um, even Campbellton. <laughs> everybody talks about Spring Bank, of course, but of Glen course. Scotia's there doing its... Doing its thing, speed. for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whiskey news, before we do anything else. Is there anything happening out there? I had a look and I couldn't really see too um, much. There's not a lot going on this this at the moment. I think it's quite a quiet time actually, because it's not the time that you'd be doing a lot in the world of whiskey, um, because obviously it's that sort of well. I mean, it's a very different sort of run up to Christmas, you know, if you know what I mean. But I haven't picked up on a lot of whiskey news. I think one thing we just want to still say is that there's still the the opportunity to 
sample of 50 year old isn't there yes there is actually it was on the the national newspapers website metro.co.uk today and they're pushing that story out you can still win uh tasting with your friends for the 50 year old glen going so it's still making ripples that's a wonderful competition and all you need to do gordon is something we've talked about on this podcast is give us your perfect moment your whiskey nirvana Hmm. would that be right it would be, yeah. I'm so, completely, yeah. So no, I'm uh, sorry. I'm, I'm, I'm the reason I went a bit. I was looking at news, and I found a bit of news. Go, carry on. <laughs> I was on the internet. That's why I wasn't listening to what <laughs> you were saying. Internet. I can't do things, two things at once, obviously. And it really it was just this bloke um, who bought a bottle of whiskey for eighty quid. Bought in 1983. Bought a 50 year old Macallan for 80 pounds. And sold it for £57,500. <laughs> That's everyone's dream, that Cynthia Old Whiskey. That's amazing, isn't it? Isn't it? And he said he, he bought it to open it up when he was 80. And funnily enough, he's changed his mind. Because it's worth £57,000. Funnily enough, he's, he's managed to sprint down to the auction house. Funny how it's uh, you know good for your joints, is, the, is whiskey. Um, Gordon, I've got a couple of things I'd like to do to yep. right now. A, I'd like to get the 80Zs done. We're, yep. I've got one yep. more episode to go. I'd like to just get them done. We're at the letter S. Uh, uh-huh. I'd like to see it out, because we might do a Christmas special, and we'll never have time to do the but, 80Zs. That's what I want to do. I also would love to try and just do a... Everybody's talking about advent calendars. I want to try and do a whiskey advent calendar, and I want oh. to try and launch my whiskey game on the world. So take your pick before we go to Lauren Oliver for our Insider's Guide. Let's do the A to Z's first. Okay. Let's get the A to Z's done. We're going to do a quick... We've, we've, we've managed to drag this out for two series, <laughs> and uh, I think we need to okay. finish the A to Z's. I'll hit this button and hit the music! start with uh, Spirit Safe. Oh yes. Every distillery has one and that is when the, where the firstly the, uh, where the well where the spirit comes out so where the four shots will initially come out then the spirit run will come through and then the faints will come through at the end. The Spirit Safe obviously all padlocked these days because of the tax man. And that was Duty I, man. I, I believe one of the first ones seen was in the island of Isla just after the Effective legalisation, 1823 in that Excise Act, which very fits good. in very nicely with my other S. Could I just do a couple? Yep. Smuggling and speakeasies, which is almost the same oh. um, ideal. Again, something we're never taught in school was the smuggling wars of the 18th uh, and early 19th century, when people would do anything to get their illicit moonshine into the cities and make money. And it was carnage in the hills outside Aberdeen and even Glasgow and Edinburgh. And I suppose in the same vein, the speakeasies of the Prohibition America. Mm, yeah, something we're used to nowadays in this country. But uh, the speakeasies were getting the um, whiskey in from Canada and whiskey in from Scotland. And if you got your whiskey in from Scotland in a speakeasy, it generally came from Nassau from the Bahamas. And a guy called Bill McCoy was one of the great importers of Scotch whiskey straight from Scotland, bottled from Scotland, wasn't diluted like the Canadian stuff. So if you wanted a good whiskey in the speakeasy in, in America, you asked for the real McCoy and you got a lovely Scotch whiskey. So smuggling, speakeasies. Very good. Fantastic. Right, I'm going to come up with um, two things that are overused in Scotch whiskey. Yes. The, the phrase small batch. <laughs> and secondly, spirit caramel. What was overused that spirit caramel spirit caramel overused by some producers and potentially um when your whiskey is not naturally colored you use caramel ah. um and uh, you're allowed to use it and i to be honest for big big producers i understand it we're small producers we don't use it yeah. uh, one for tam do and something i want to try and go on next week well, i'd love to try and speak to some of the guys at tam do uh, Something that has disappeared, Gordon, that a, a Frenchman invented in ah, the 50s. That'd be a Saladin box. It would be. Could you... I can't be bothered, Gordon. Could you explain it? It's <laughs> it's a box that allowed you to malt barley. Very simply, it's sort of a box that you put the barley in and it would... Uh, and it would... It had paddles that, you know... It, it, it sort of did everything that you do on a malt floor 
but it was done in a big sort of box the size of a swimming pool, basically. Yeah, big automation. Is that uh, not about right? That's, a, that's, about right. that's, that's as good as I would have said it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I had a Very couple uh, of acronyms, the SMWS and the SWE. Got a couple of um, societies there and an experience at the top of the Royal Mile. Yes, the S Scotch Whiskey Experience, the Scotch Whiskey Association yes. as well, the SWA, and the Single Malt Whiskey Society. That's correct. Yep. And I suppose uh, we'll get Slange. We can throw that in for a quick S for Slange. Slange, yep, absolutely. Yep, Stills. yep, yep, yep. And yep. just one, one from one from history. I'll, I'll give you a, a, a Jacob Schweppes. Um, Jacob Schweppes bringing not only tonic to the world of gin, but soda to the world of whiskey. And that's mm-hmm. really how most people consumed whiskey of a certain type, a certain class, would be whiskey mm. and soda in the middle to upper classes. So Mr. Schweppes, yep. very instrumental and part of the whiskey story very good very good let's move on to tea tea we're on to give a big blast of the music boom tails i'll go heads oh sorry you're talking (laughs) tails the uh Mm. the sort of last bit of the distillation the tail of the distillation same as faints um that's one the other one i'm going to talk about terroir Oh, uh, some <laughs> some down. producers believe in the effects of terroir. Yeah, others don't. Um, it's a very divisive topic, um, and certain you know if you've got Waterford, for example, in Ireland, um, they are very big into the terroir, as are Brucladi to a certain extent. But other distillers think it doesn't exist, so it's a big debate. It would be. It would be. Um, can I again one from the past, and I suppose I've mentioned it with my essays, the temperance movement, which was um, mm. very big in the early 20th century, which led in America to prohibition. But in this country, we did have a a a, a, a vote to ban alcohol, Gordon. How did that go? Do you think? Not very well. Not very well. No, but there was a temperance movement in this country. Lloyd George, the um, Prime Minister of the time, was uh, very much in favour. He taxed the hell out of Scotch whisky. Very good. The only other one I'm going to say, triple distillation. Rosebank, uh, Ockentoshan, very famous for it. Gives you a lighter type spirit. Uh, Basically goes through three stills um, and uh, generally a higher strength alcohol that you'll produce uh, for your spirit uh, and generally a bit lighter. In in a very simple way. Yeah. Okay. I can, we can't we can't mention it already. We can't not talk about our own distillery up in Speyside, Tamdu, of course, Sandy Max yeah. Tamdu, which is a uh, absolutely phenomenal uh, whiskey up there. So great. And I'm d- dying to get up there again when we can. Wonderful. Place. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Gordon, it's the A to Z. It's we're trying to get some excitement here with an S with a T. ABC. You. You. Unpeated. Unpeated. That's about all I can think of. I've got Underback, which is the oh, I love an where the mash, <laughs> where the mash waters go to the Underback before they go through to the, yeah. the fermentation. Oh, yes. you, 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 any more going? Uh, no, I've got no more use. Um, let's go on to V's. Let's. I think we're we're getting to the tail end of it here. Yeah. A Valinche. Oh yes. Uh, a Valinche, obviously a large pipette, effectively to get the spirit out of the cask. And the other one is virgin oak, which is this type of cask which more and more people are using these days, that sort of um, newly charred cask, generally from America, that would be normally would go to the bourbon industry, but it's coming straight to Scotland. And, you know, probably 15, 20 years ago, people said you couldn't mature in these. Well, you can. So um, virgin oak is one. What's, you know, any any predominant flavour? You might have thought you'd get a lot of wood and a lot of... You do. You get a lot of colour. You get a lot of that spicy flavours. You get a lot, but you still get a lot of those American oak flavours. There's still vanillas, and there's still, you know, but it's sort of spicy vanilla, a bit more of that sort of, um, just sort of, you know, cinnamon and all those sort of spicy flavours coming through. It can add real colour to a whiskey as well. Any producers? V, V, V. Are we going to go V ones? V, very good whiskey. Very good whiskey. Can't think of any other Vs. Let's move on to Ws. There's quite a lot of Ws. I'll, I'll go, I'll go, I've got warts. Uh, Have course. you? I've got, yes, that's why I'm standing up doing the show. I've got, um, I've got wart, <laughs> which is the lovely sugary liquid we get from the, the mash. Yep. W for warts. Mm-hmm, yep. And Anything else? I'll give you the fermented liquid after the wart has had, had yeast added to it. It's called wash. So there's two production. Yes, very good. W's. And then you've got quite a lot of wash. You've got wash... Wash charger, wash receiver, wash yep. still, wash yes. back. 
Uh, all that, all, you know, the wash still is the first distillation. The wash back, obviously, for fermentation. White oak, worm tubs, we just spoke about, you know, we spoke about triple distillation. Well, Rosebank has worm tubs, which is a, uh, you know, generally uh, gives you a sort of heavier style spirit. So different to shell and tube condensers. So there's obviously whiskey without an E or with an E. Any other W's? No, I'm... I'm just annoyed okay. I never got whiskey. <sighs> no, let's move on to why. So why yes. yeast? Yeast. We obviously need yeast to... We need to add that to the wort in the fermentation phase. But there's a... But there's a... And then there's another one, another why, which I think could be relevant to our insider's guide. Well, just on, on, on that yeast, Gordon, would it be fair that water has often got the limelight and barley has always sometimes got the great advertising campaigns mm-hmm. of the past but with yeast it was like the Beatles it's like you know Lennon and McCartney are the water and barley would you say yeast is like Ringo never really gets the attention never really got the nobody really advertises yeast in their whiskey yeah, marketing possibly no possibly I think that's probably because the Scotch whiskey industry doesn't doesn't do as much as maybe it could do if we're with yeast we, yeah. we use fairly standard yeasts across the industry and if you look at Glenn Morangy released a whiskey about a year ago or whenever it was with uh, a specific yeast um, and bourbon distillers have specific yeasts which differentiate their style from you know from from each bourbon distillery because they can't use all those different casks so so yeast is a is 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 a big flavor generator in whiskey for sure Right. Um, I mean, not you know, we know distillation is a big part of the spirit style, but so is the yeast, as is the as is the barley to a much less extent. The one that probably has the, the least impact is water. Okay, okay, so the future could be a little um, experimentation with yeast. Yeah. Gordon, we're 17 minutes into the show already. Jeez, We've got so, so much to get right. through. Can we just head into the insider's guide? Because I think your next why was going to was going to. Well, I was going to link it together like we thought it was going to do. Yeah. So, so yield is obviously important for the amount of effectively liters of pure alcohol that we get per ton of barley. So Robbie or any distillery manager will be looking for somewhere in the region of 410 plus, 410 liters of pure alcohol per ton of barley. Now, that involves getting the barley ground down and through the process as efficiently as possible, but also not forgetting how, for example, at Glengoyne, how we do things a little bit differently. We take our time. So the first stage of that is actually mashing, probably the most overlooked stage of of producing whiskey. So you yes. have spoken to someone from Glengoyne, Lauren, yep. who is an expert masher. She is. She is, and it's a great. She, she takes that what you've just said there head on, Gordon. So this is the very first uh, woman operator in Glengoyne since eighty. Well, since it started, it's a great Fantastic. insider's guide about how she got there and how she had to study, doing exams, and what she does as a day-to-day basis. So sit back and enjoy the whiskey unscripted insider's guide. Dot 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 to mashing. And we're recording. And um, we are joined in the Insider's Guide by Lauren Oliver. Hello, Lauren. Hello. Now, is it fair to say that um, when it comes to technology, you're almost as bad as I am? I'm probably worse, to be honest. <laughs> this is taking a while to get the recording, has it not? <laughs> yeah. maybe, maybe a good like hour. <laughs> talking to you <laughs> but you're not on it for technology you're on for the expertise of the mash and mashing before we get into the insider's guide to mashing lauren before you're let loose in the still house or any still house do you have to sit any exam what's the what's the processes to get there yeah um, well, the, the, the first exam is you don't need to be good with technology because we're so old-fashioned at Glengoyne, so that was a, a bonus for me <laughs> with able to get the job. <laughs> um, yeah, so um, you don't actually have to sit an exam to work in the still house, but obviously it is preferred. So I started at Glengoyne as a tour guide. 
Um, if people have ever come for a tour and seen me on the mast, they might not have realised that. I so I started off as a tour guide and absolutely fell in love with it, as I guess most people do when they come to the, the distillery. They just get in, engrossed in this magical distilling world. Did you think that would happen? No. So when I started working uh, there as a tour guide, I had no idea that I would be where I am today. Three years later, it was it just naturally progressed. A um, bit of a shock, to be honest, that I managed to get where I am. Quite, yeah, I'm still in awe of the fact that I've got this job. <laughs> oh, fantastic. We're going to get into that. So just take us through the, the exam, because I'm interested. How, what do you study? And what is the, what is the course? Yeah, so the course itself is done from the Institute of Brewing and Distilling. Um, so they, it's, it's actually their own course, which I think is fantastic. And you just download a, a year's worth of learning material and you actually do it from home. So, you know, it's really good for people like myself who had a full-time job at the time. You can still learn and, and get all this knowledge from the comfort of your couch which is good for 2020 as well, I guess, this year, if anyone's thinking of doing it. Um, so you get a, a huge, massive folder with tiny print in it, and when you first look at it, it's very overwhelming, and you're like, oh my goodness, how on earth is all this going to stay inside my brain? Um, so you do a bit of learning, and then about halfway through the year of learning the course, you head up to Speyside, Mm. the heart of it all and you do a three-day course with a lecturer and um, a whole bunch of people from all over the, the world actually came to this three-day intensive course and it's where you can just speak to a lecturer from the Institute of Brewing and Distilling ask any questions get any extra help um, I'd like to say it was very tame but um, a bunch of whiskey students up in space said it maybe perhaps wasn't the tamest, well, but I, it was fun. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure our <laughs> listeners can read between the lines as well, Lauren, yes. yes <laughs> Some so, practical, um, work. just call it practical, practical work you were doing up there, so that sounds yes, fantastic. Um, so at the end of the year, is there an exam? And if so, what do you remember? Any questions that give you the, <laughs> the jitters even now? <laughs> um, to be honest, there was probably the whole exam gave me the jitters. So I'm quite a, a nervous person with sitting exams anyway. Um, so when the exam came, it was in Edinburgh. So I got the train through to Edinburgh, panic reading my notes the whole way into <laughs> the station, the taxi. You get there and you all go into this huge big room filled with computers with all the partitions, so no cheating, mm -hmm. you know. Um, and to be honest, the whole exam was a complete blur because my hand didn't stop shaking from the minute I went in to the minute the clock ran out and I finished. Um, it was it was nerve wracking. Um, and you passed. And I passed. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it was it was nerve wracking and just like when you were at school waiting for the the results to come in because it takes a wee while even though it's on a computer it gets marked so you don't get the results straight away i had to wait a few weeks to get the results in and when you've got everyone at the distillery and your hopeful future boss uh, robbie going you know lauren did you pass it was a nerve-wracking time um <laughs> oh that's brilliant it just gives an i love that just a real so personal angle in the whole the whole thing there yeah. so you've got the job and the mashing and this is the insider's guide lauren so um yeah. we've asked us of jason asked us of sandy mack up in tamdu and also sean the cooper what's a typical day for your you know for your job as a a, a mash person uh, yeah, so a typical day for mashing is obviously we are the very, very start of the process. Um, so basically without mashing, without us, there'd be no whiskey. Um, um, so basically what, what we do is we take malted barley that is ground down and this ground down barley is called grist. And what we do with this grist is we put it into a mash tun which if anyone hasn't been to the distillery and seen one, it's a gigantic copper pot. Um, that's pretty much what it looks like. So what, what, what my typical job is, I have to take this grist, put it into the mash tun at a very specific temperature. 
And the reason we have to do very specific temperatures is to activate different enzymes within that barley to extract all the different sugars. So there's lots of different enzymes within that barley, as I say, that react at different temperatures. So we add three different lots of water to this ground grist. Um, at Glengoyne, we do 63 and a half degrees. We then do 78 degrees, and then we finally do 90 degrees. Um, some people that come to the distillery always ask me, oh, well, why don't you just start with the hottest temperature? But as I've just said, if I was to do that, I would um, burn out or disable the enzymes that work at the lower temperature. So that's why we have to do everything nice and slowly, and we have to build it up um, slowly with, with the different temperatures to get that maximum sugar extraction. And when you say you um, introduce the grist into the mash tun and you introduce the water, you physically are. Because if you've seen yeah. pictures of Glen going, you're turning old-fashioned wheels. And, and yeah, explain so, that big hammer you've got. Yeah. So everything at Glen Goyne, is, as Jason had said in a previous episode, is all done by hand. So when I'm adding in this water and grist, the grist comes down into a large container called a hopper. And it's got a little manual slide that I turn a handle on to basically pull the slide back. And that allows the grist to start slowly dropping into a big paddle called the mashing machine. I then open another valve to my left-hand side, which will then gradually add in hot sparge water, which I can explain in a minute. And that will then come in and meet the, the grist in this big paddle. And it pours into the mash tun like sloppy porridge. And it smells delicious. <laughs> uh, this smell is one of the best parts of the job. Um, the balance is, is obviously anyone who even knows running a bath or anything, it's hard to maintain a, a, a consistent temperature. So as a mash person, we're doing a complete balancing act between the thickness of the grist, bit of cold water, bit of hot sparge, and every single one of these valves is turned by hand so that for the whole hour it takes me to get that four tons of grist into the mash tun. I'm doing tiny little tweaks by hand to make sure that I get 63.5 degrees temperature for the full hour. So you can't get distracted or, or look away, you know, you really have to concentrate. If I don't get that right, it doesn't matter what happens over on the stills because if I don't get the sugar out of that barley, the stillman can only distill what I get out of the grist. Um, as one of my colleagues puts it, which I think is fantastic, if you don't get the basis of a cake right, all the icing in the world isn't going to make it taste good. <laughs> and basically the mash is the base of the cake. Probably. If you don't get it right. Um, and, and the hammer. What all and the, build the hammer. And the, the big hammer is, because everything's so old-fashioned, uh, the grist can get stuck in this big hopper tank. So I have this massive wooden mallet that I like to scare people with, you know, I run around I'm in a bad mood. And I basically whack this huge big metal tank with a big wooden mallet. Um, it's very primal. <laughs> Um, if anyone's been on a tour as I've been whacking it, they usually jump out their skin because it's pretty loud as well as I'm bashing um, this big tank. But it's literally just to get any bits of grist that are stuck in this hopper down into the slide so that I can get every ounce of grist into that mash tun. And when so it does have a purpose. When you're doing this, Lauren, you must sometimes think, because we're doing it by hand, you must yeah. think of your place in history a little bit because really I wouldn't think much has changed. Do you ever think about who's filled the shoes and really you're just doing something that's been passed down from generation? Yeah, I actually think about that almost every day when I go into work. Um, you know, I'm like, my goodness, I'm, I'm doing something that people have done for a hundred years before me and to be part of something like that is incredible. I absolutely love it. Um, it's just amazing to think I mean all, all the valves and stuff most of them are still original as well so it's the amount of um, craftsmen and, and people that have touched these same valves that I'm working with today to make whiskey some of which is still sitting in the warehouses you know uh, you know a guy that worked in, in my job 50 years ago 
it's still got stuff that's been drank today and that's just incredible to Isn't be part it? of an industry like that. I know, Although in 50 years time, you know, the, 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 the mash that you've created, someday somewhere on a space station round about Venus will be thinking, I wonder who the mash person was. Anyway, so you've got the, the <laughs> you've got the sugary water, we call it wort, that goes through to fermentation. Yeah. So that, you've got a second job. Yep, yeah, so um, that's the first half of my job is mashing and the second part of my job, as you just said, is fermentation. So it's in a separate room called the Tun Room and we at Glengoyne have six huge big wooden vessels called washbacks and they look like gigantic casks if anyone hasn't seen one. Um, and what I do is I take this sugary water, which you said called wort, from the mashing and I cool it down through a heat exchanger um, powered by just cold water um, from the reservoir and I cool it down to 18 degrees Celsius, again very specific, you can um, even be half a degree out because then when I add this cooled wort to the washback I add yeast and the yeast is very temperamental and it likes a specific temperature to work best. The yeast then eats away all the sugars in that wort and converts it into alcohol and carbon dioxide. And the final product after 56 hours is a, a wash and it's called, it's basically like a beer called wash and it's roughly around 8% alcohol. Yep. Just, just on that point, when you say you add the yeast, again, physically, yep. how do you add the yeast, which I love this part of the process? Yeah, so it's my um, workout for the day, like being at the gym, so we have a, a huge big walk-in fridge um, which stores 20 kilogram bags of yeast and we add 60 kilograms per wash back, so I literally need to walk outside in the rain, hail, sleet, snow to this huge outdoor, outdoor fridge, shove a 20 kilogram bag on my shoulder, pump it back up the stairs and slice it open and pour in this yeast. Um, by hand, yep. So it's hard, hard work. <laughs> that's fantastic. Go girls, go girls. It's just, that's fantastic. Yes. I've got two daughters as well, Lauren, and I'm always saying to them, never be put off. This is not a man's world. It's a, a, a people's world, you know. And you're out there, yep. bags on the shoulder, just doing it the way it's been done for generations. Fantastic. Yeah. Yep. Uh, great. As you see, a very simple beer. Yeah, a very a very simple beer, um, quite fruity. Um, you know, it's got a lovely fruity aroma to it, um, and it sort of sort of looks like cloudy apple juice in colour as well. If it, if people haven't seen it, that's that's what the wash looks like. It's a sort of yellowy, cloudy colour of a of a fruity beer. And how do you know it's ready? I've seen you dipping things into the the um. Yes, yeah, so it just give us a quick so, chat about gravities, please. <laughs> Yeah, so the, we, we take two, two measurements um, in, the, in the ton room. The first one is called the original gravity. And once I have filled the wash back, which takes five and a half hours, I, yep, you're very right, all done by hand. I've got a metal jug on the end of a, a piece of string that I throw in. Um, I like to splash it on my face, you know, get a wee taste. <laughs> uh, take, take a sample and we've got hydrometers that we use and the original gravity is basically telling us how good a sugar conversion I got from, from the mash um, before I start fermentation. So that will give me an indication as to how good a beer I'm going to be able to make from the mash that I've just completed. Um, so it, it changes throughout the, the year very slightly. Um, you know, if, if we've had a, a very good year for crops, I'm going to get obviously a lot more sugar out of it. It's not been quite a good year for crops, I'm going to get slightly less, but we're just looking for consistency. So as long as every single mash is of the same consistency, that's when Robbie's happy. Um, that's all we're looking for. And then after 56 hours, I will take a, a, a final gravity. And basically all that is then telling me is how good a fermentation reaction that I got and again, we're just looking for consistency. Um, and some, sometimes the better the crop, the more fermentation um, has, has worked well. Um, and then obviously if we've maybe not had such a good crop, but it's still all delicious. It's just different um, and unique. 
and that's what makes handcrafted products so good. It's fantastic. It is. It's really literally handcrafting, turning the valves to letting the water in, to banging the, the grist hopper with the big mallet, to dropping in the, yep. the, the uh, gravity meter hydrometers into it. It's amazing. All, and, and your bags on your shoulder. It really is. Yep. Nothing and even the outside, um, the outside weather as well, because we're using water to, to cool down, you know, the war and, and heat exchangers, our job changes from season to season as well. So if it's really, really warm outside, then, you know, it's, 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 it's actually a lot harder to cool down that water using the water. So, you know, your, your, all your settings are different and your valves are different from, say, the dead of winter when it's minus 10 outside. So, you know, the, the, the job because everything's done by hand, the job changes so much, even just with the seasons outside. So when I come into work, you know, taking into consideration what the weather's like outside will give me an indication of what I need to do inside the still house as well. Um, a lot of people maybe don't know that. No, no, but no, no well, yeah. that's fantastic. I didn't know that myself. That's absolutely yeah. marvellous. So would you recommend Insider's Guide to um, this time mashing? I think I know the answer, but you recommend a job in the whiskey industry and doing the mash? Oh, I, I would recommend it to, to everyone to, to get a job in, in the mash. It's quite a lot of pressure. Um, so if you're, if you're quite good at, at handling the pressure, because as I say, if, if I get it wrong, then the stills won't get it right and the warehouse won't get it right. So, you know, there's, there's a lot of pressure um, on the mashmen. There once was a time when the mash people got paid a, a bit more money than uh, everyone else, but unfortunately yeah, yeah. that's not the case anymore. Take <laughs> that to Robbie right but, now. And my final question, yeah. just, you've just mentioned it there, my final question to you, I think I asked Jason this as well with the Insider's Guide. Um, you've trained up, trained by the best, did the exams, you're all ready to go. What was your first night alone when it's the r r responsibilities on your shoulders? Do you remember that time? Yeah, same as Jason. I was absolutely petrified. <laughs> petrified. Um, yeah, when you finished all your training, you're you're full full of confidence, excitement. You're like, yes, I've got this. But then, as you say, your first night on your own, no one just standing by, watching over your shoulder to make sure you get it right. There was a lot of pressure, and I was very nervous. I, I went home and I think I was still shaking after my first shift, more from excitement as well. It was nerves and excitement. But yeah, just that constant being on edge, making sure that everything was perfect. Um, you know, you oh. don't don't want to get fired before you even get started. I know, by well, but you're making a huge success of it. And it's just lovely to know that the whiskey industry is in, in the hands of a younger generation, and in your case as well, uh, the female part of that generation as well. So it's a real positive message. And my final final question is, have, if you had to recommend a Glen Goyne to Whiskey Unscripted listeners, what one would you recommend for a little dram to toast the masher and the mashing? Oh. Well, I don't, I don't know if it's because I'm a girl with expensive taste as well, but the 21 has always been my favourite, yeah. um, especially this time of year because it is just like Christmas in a glass. You know, it's, it's full of rich sweetness. Um, and I, I, most women that I talk to tend to quite like the 21, so I don't know if it's just a, a female thing that we love the richness of it, but it's definitely my favourite and I can't wait to stop for Christmas and crack open a bottle and <laughs> get into the holidays. <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, the close season, round, uh, you get about three, four weeks off, don't you? Yeah, yeah. So we've got just just over two weeks off for Christmas this year, which will be which will be lovely. But then I can't wait to get back to it. Um, the, the one the one best thing about starting back up is that's when I get all the smells again, like anything. Um, yeah. When I'm in that stillhouse every day, I can smell things, but they're not as strong. And I absolutely love it when we start back up after a silent season because. I experience what people would who would come for a tour yeah. experience when they, 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 they smell it because, you know, I'm not used to it. And that's one of the best things as well about working there when you start back up again, just getting that real rich smell of the mash and the stills and the beer. Oh, it's fantastic. Oh, that's a brilliant way to finish it there, Lauren. I'm almost salivating. Talking about 21 and then all the noise and nothing quite like a still house in production. No. Lauren Oliver, our mash, mash girl, mash woman, mash person. Yeah. Mash, mash last. Oh, I love that. <laughs> okay, Lauren Oliver, the, the mash last. Thank you very much. Thank you. <laughs>
Oh, so that was Lauren Gordon. What I love there, when, you know, about asking her, does she think about who's been before? I think that must be the same in lots of distilleries. You must think about the, the people that have done the job before. Not just one generation before you, but others, and how you're carrying on that tradition. It's quite a bit of pressure there. Not just for Lauren, but for, I would imagine, anyone on a new job at these well, old think, traditional distilleries. For sure, and I also think that, you know, you forget that if you get it wrong at that stage, you oh, get mashing not right, or you get grind, you get the grind wrong for starters, but you get it wrong at the beginning, it only gets worse throughout the whole process. And uh, yep. it is it is a, every bit is a is a factor of the last bit, and that's really, really important in whiskey making. And, it's, and all, all I can say is, you know, it's great to see a young person, whether that's male or female, um, and even more so female working, wanting to work in distilleries and wanting to do that type of work. That's fantastic, that fantastic. to see. She absolutely loves it. Brilliant. Gordon, you a big game player at Christmas? Love a like? bit of game. Yeah, right. love a game. Love a, I've, game. I've, love a game. I'm trying to launch uh, a game. All right. What's Keep it called? I've not, I've, got, I've not got a name for it. Um, I've not got a it's name quite important it. if you want to launch it. Is it? Uh, that's, I've, I've fallen at that hurdle. It's basically a, a little game. I wanted to just see if I can see if you can get on board with this and please play at home it's a whiskey name game and it's basically trying to pick up as we've done with the 80s anything connected to the world of whiskey in the title of a movie or a tv show or even they'll let you have some music for example you get two points if you can if the name of the whiskey machine or bottle is in the title for example two points for the day the earth stood Still. Still, yes. Still. Okay. Hey, you get still some whiskey. Two points. If you right. have to change it slightly, like I'm a big fan of uh, Ben Affleck and uh, it's, uh, it's a David Fincher movie called Gone Girl. You had to change mm -hmm. the end of Glen Goyne to Goyne Girl. It's only a point. Goyne Girl. See where I'm going with this? No, but let's carry on. Okay. So for a point, I've got the movie that won Best Picture. Alfonso Cuaron, Mexican genius, he uh, brought out a movie called Roma. You put an A in front of it, you've got Aroma. You so, that's what you do in whiskey. So this is if you can come up with a, 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 a something connected to the world of whiskey in a TV show. So I've got Aroma. Can you think of, say, a comedy set in the world of the Korean War? Uh, match? Yes! <laughs> there you go. Clinger et al. So that'll get you two points because there is a mash. You've got mash. You could go for, you like your Islas, uh, you could go for Smokey and the Bandit. That might get you a point. I looked up um, Barley to see what TV shows or movies had Barley in the title. Turns out I spelt it wrong and I got barely legal. But I, I, I think we'll part that one up. Um, <laughs> I think we'll part that. There's five episodes in that franchise. Marvel movies, if you're into Marvel movie, movies, is, you've heard of The Age of Ultron. Put D-U-N in front of the Age of Ultron and you get the Dunnage Age of Ultron. <laughs> Gordon, is it, get, is, it, is, it, is, it, is it getting to you here? Is this a game? I, I, I'm struggling to follow it, but yeah, I think it could be a game. I'm not sure it's going to work around the sort of Christmas table. It really would re um, require quite a lot of whiskey geeks. Socially distanced. I'll yeah. try and finish this off then, Gordon. It, Malcolm in the middle. Cut. <laughs> Correct! Hey! <laughs> then we've got Heart to Heart, of course, Heart of the Run. Uh, when they met, it was Moida. Moida? What's his name? Max? Max, well done. Heart to Heart. Catcher in the... Rye. You're late! Lovely whiskey, rye whiskey. And uh, the, the, then you can go off and just not even talk about titles. Do you remember the school that Harry Potter went to? Hog? Warts. Yes! Warts! We've talked about that in 80's heads. So that no, was my... Is... I could go on. I could go on. You know, it's not so much Johnny Cask. Johnny Cask, yes. You could it's, do that. You I, could I, do... I was thinking of Stave to the Rhythm. Oh, I'm trying to think of one now. It's quite hard. This is it. Play at home. And please, if you've listened to this podcast, I'm hoping this will stick in your brain and you start thinking about anything connected to whiskey and then try and work backwards to put it into a song, a movie, or a... a TV show. Well, I mean, you could even go to actors. If you think of Coronation Street. Yes. Bet, so if you're the Coronation Street, the lady Lynch, with the blonde Lynch. hair, Bet Village. <laughs> Great game. That 
um, very good. No, I think you, I think you could. This could be your. You could be. You could be retired next year, and your. Oh, that's the idea. Your bottle, your whiskey bottle crown, the uh, throne. You'll yep. be. Uh, I just need to think of a name for it. Just need to think of a name. Good. So we're going to part them up. Uh, got another thing we want to do to to talk about because people will be out there buying gifts for the whiskey fan in their life, or you might want to buy yourself one. Um, have you had a wee look at the the gifting world? Now we I did this have. in series one about Father's Day, but Christmas is it's massive, isn't it now? Yeah. No. There, there, there's a yeah. There's a there's a few whiskey gifts that I have seen, um, which, if I was honest, I wouldn't give to somebody. I get asked a lot about whiskey stones. What do you think of whiskey stones? I would say once you have got the right cream once you're one you're, you're fine gordon you can sit down again oh, oh those yeah. stones <laughs> yeah i have seen them i've I, i've never used them I just, it doesn't appeal to me i have to say right no i think it's they, they'll bash against your teeth it's not very they don't look great so i'm not a big fan of i wouldn't i personally wouldn't buy whiskey stones Although, for somebody can I just say, someone, had, and I don't know if this is true, and please, if you're listening, contact us through the social media channels or our own uh, social media. Um, someone said they're very good in the microwave and put them into your um, mulled wine. Keeps your mulled wine what? warm. Much better. Much true? better idea, everybody. Yeah. yeah. I, I think they look wrong in a whiskey glass. They look like a ice much better should you want to drink your whiskey like that now i saw a gift and i thought if someone gave me this i'd be so disappointed but happy it was i think it was maker's mark i may be wrong and it was a big box and it came with a jumper so the box looked like it had three bottles of full-size whiskey in it but you opened it up and you got one bottle of whiskey and a big jumper I'm, I'm not too sure about that gordon i'd be absolutely gutted thinking i have got a triple pack <laughs> yeah what? Well, not that's sure. a bit. That's a bit weird. Yeah. That is a bit weird. Not as weird as single malt infused toothpicks. I have never heard of that. Why on earth would you do that? Why would you produce toothpicks that would have single malt infused in them when you could, if you really wanted to do that, buy toothpicks and dip it in your single malt? Yeah, that's a great idea. If that's what you really wanted. See, this is the um, world of accessories that you know people. It's worked with. Yeah. It's worked with computers and phones. There's a whole industry built around accessorising them and getting headphones, and so they're just taking that forensic look at the world of whiskey and think, what can we accessorise it with? Now, glasses, I can understand. You need a glass, uh, and I have seen quite disturbingly different colours of glasses. Have you seen mm -hmm. the, the blacks and the green? I don't understand having a black glass. Yeah, I think there's quite a lot of weird whiskey gifts. I mean, I the other one that I was thinking is quite weird is there's a um, you can get a whiskey rocket decanter, which yeah. is a hundred and forty eight dollars uh, serve whiskey from something rad and retro like this twenty four karat gold porcelain decanter. I'm like, really? It's a whiskey. It's got whiskey written down the side of it. I'm not oh. sure that's my particular style. The other thing that I have um found which i think is a, 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 a the only way to describe it is a very odd thing is the m minute cocktail sugar cubes i'm going to explain what these are they're little sugar cubes and you're like okay so they're sugar cubes um stick one of these sugar cubes in a glass of whiskey wait a minute and then sip on a pre-made manhattan or old-fashioned and i'm like really why on earth would you add firstly why would you add sugar well, you can add sugar to whiskey, but why would you add it in a in a in a cube form? And secondly, the whole point of drinking a Manhattan or an old fashioned for me is actually how it's made by the bartender. Well, that's true. Um, I have to say, and just when you mentioned it, Gordon, I was like, mm, I quite like this little cube of loveliness. For sure. Would you go for decanters? Full stop. Is that a present? If we, somebody's we listening talk. to this now, thinking, will I get my other half a decanter because they like their whiskey or do you think whiskey should stay in a bottle because you can see the label i i'm the jury's out in decanters i mean i'm i'm there's a you can i mean the, the variety we touched on decanters before there are some nice decanters there are some decanters that are not my particular style so um uh 
I, you know, I, I like to have a nice set of glasses that you can drink whiskey out of. I'm not talking about Glencairn's. I'm talking about glasses that you can sit at home and relax and drink whiskey that you know and are going to enjoy out of. That's a really good whiskey gift. Yeah. So maybe buying a, a set of glasses, maybe different sizes for different occasions, could be a nice gift. Yeah. If it wasn't yeah. just... For me, getting whiskey is just the best gift you can get. Not whiskey with a jumper, not whiskey with it. Just, just getting a nice... Mm-hmm bottle of, of whiskey I think Gordon we're nearly in the end of podcast 11 we're going to gear up for a big Christmas special uh, for the last episode of this series although we haven't decided what that will what form that will take have we uh, no we've not no but it will be a Christmas special maybe just because we're wearing tinsel or yeah, something like that but I'll we'll, get some know. copyright free music but we'll try and catch up with some of our friends from the past and some uh, maybe of our musical friend we had at the beginning uh, Gordon mm. I said I wouldn't do this and I know it's um, unfair I've got a, a list. We'll try and do it together. Everyone's talking about Advent this, Advent that. I was listening to the radio and there's mm-hmm. 24 different artists and, you, you know, a voice comes on and says, behind door one. If you had an Advent calendar, would you put which whiskey behind which door? It's not in the order of preference. Um, but do you think that's possible? Just to finish off yes. episode 11, 24 whiskeys. Well, I haven't worked this one out. And I'll just start off, if that's okay. An American. Did you mention about the bourbon? It's called Bullet. Yeah, Bullet's nice bourbon. Yeah, right. absolutely. Yep. Yeah. I don't mention. I thought you said that was a rye whiskey. I wasn't too sure. Couldn't remember. They do a rye as well. Right. Um, but uh, they do a um, they do a, a bourbon as well. Yeah. They, they just as we start to give our carry my mains into into the states. So that'd be number one. Okay. What's so number one? My number one, which should be number two. Yeah. I. I think I'd like to put in a fairly new whiskey because we're at the start of Advent. I'd like to put in the Ardnamurkin release. I got a little sample of that. Sensational whiskey. So the first Ardnamurkin single malt that they brought out about two months ago. Pop that in there. Beautiful. 46% alcohol and uh, five, six years old. Lovely drop. That's a great idea. If you're doing an Advent calendar, do it by age. And uh, that's You see, you're, you're ahead of me there. That Ardnamurkin, mm-hmm. wonderful. I'm going to Ireland now. Mm-hmm. Um, one of our great episodes about Irish whiskey and that Redbreast was mentioned uh, a mm. few times. And that's Robin, Robin Redbreast, very festive. Yes, the door would have a little Robin on it. So Irish whiskey, Redbreast, number three, number four. Nice, nice. I would go for a festive, but but great in terms of its sort of uh, its style and its quality for its age is a Tandu 12. Oh yes, Tamdu Tamdu 12. 12, it's just beginning to get, it's beginning to look a lot like, and it's got that, just that rich sherry cask, that unique style from full maturation, so Tamdu 12 would be my second whiskey. Paul John, which I think you mentioned in a previous podcast, saying that some of your contacts were experiencing, across there, 17% angel share. God, you remember everything I say. It, well, yes, it can be as much as that. So, yeah, Paul absolutely. John, Indian single malt whiskey. Wow. Um, I'm going to go for another... Uh, I'm going to go for a whiskey which I think by this point, I'm. I, you know, we've had a, a variety. I'm going to throw in a, a little peated number there. Yes, good idea. Uh, a little peated whiskey. I'm going to throw in one that's actually going to make you just stand up and make take notice. <laughs> uh, I'm going to put in... A Kilhoman. I'm Ooh. a big fan of Kilhoman. I love what they do. Mahir Bay. Mahir Bay by Kilhoman. Beautiful whiskey to drink uh, uh, just any time. But I think it's got that sort of more outside sort of feel, which you obviously need to be outside a bit. And it's cold today. It's got that. I'm, I'm sitting a little bit colder today. It's got that feeling for me. So Mahir Bay from Kilhoman. I'm just going to move that into door seven, if you don't mind, because that was door six. But could I put... One of the lovely drinks I had this, this session of Whiskey Unscripted was the Six Isles, which oh. was the Ian McLeod blended malt whiskey from the Six Islands round Scotland oh. that they drew their samples from, blended them together. I'm sure it was John Glass that would have done that. And that was one of my favourites. So from behind door six, could I put the Six Isles blended malt and Culhoman can go to door seven? I'm going to go... I'm going to go to uh, another whiskey that I've really liked, I tasted this year and I surprisingly liked and um, was Glenmorangie cake mm-hmm. this whiskey they brought out that had a bit of cake, it was a sort of cake cake packaging based on the flavour of cake, I was like this is quite different very nice whiskey 
put in there? What about you? I'll take my um, European odyssey, the last country that was in before lockdown, when I got onto that uh, Viking line, was uh, Sweden. And mm. I'd be quite interested in just having a nice Mac Macmura single malt. Mac Mac Macmira, not Macmira. Mac you say yeah. Macmira, I say Macmura. See, the Christmas singing started already, Gordon. Macmira mm -hmm. whiskey, mm -hmm. which I've tried a couple of times, especially when I was out there. Um, so it's quite nice. And that'd be behind door number eight. That's a fabulous choice. That's a fabulous choice. I'm now going to go to another one of our brands. Right. Uh, I'm going to go to Glengoyne. Um, and I'm going to go with, again, a whiskey that I think has surprised me this year. A whiskey that I've never seen this sort of side of the distillery reflected so well is the new legacy series chapter two brilliant. brilliant brilliant whiskey and if you've not seen it you should definitely get it because it's at 48 percent. you can drink it in a couple of different ways with the addition of water but it has a really fruity fruity style not so much of that sherry influence which was what we wanted to create brilliant whiskey tasted it again on saturday night and oh just fabulous so that's going in that really is very good gordon so that's with the single malts single malts have to try and think of a blend. I'll, I'll try. I'll try. We've blend. got a blended malt in there, haven't you? I've got a blended malt, but we've yeah. got all single malts. But I don't think we've got blended whiskey yet. Blended scotch. Okay. I, I would. I would. I mean, if we're talking about blends, I'm going to go for. A, oh, I'm going to go we, for. Yeah, hibiki. we've got pig's nose, which was oh, I think right. we mentioned one episode. Pig's nose was. Pig's nose. Smooth as a pig's nose. Nice whiskey. Hibiki as well for me. Hibiki. Beautiful whiskey. Um, beautifully crafted blend, beautiful packaging. Uh, I'm definitely one Pibiki. I think that's in my 12th door or door 12. So we're looking for the final one. If you go Pig's Nose and Hibiki, two blends back to back. Final one, I, if you don't mind, Gordon, for the last uh -huh. one, I think we can afford a little, little smoky one. And I love my sherry whiskies, but I love a bit of smoky. Could I put up a smokehead sherry bomb? The lovely red skull. And it's like two different whiskies in one glass. It's just an amazing, mm -hmm. lovely uh, single malt that has been matured in our sherry casks. And it just gives a yep. huge dimension to your Isla experience. Different dimension entirely. So that'd be a, a great way to finish the first half. That's a great mix of whiskies. I've written them all down. That's a great mix of whiskies. And I, I can pretty much tell you what's going in my 24th door. But you'll have to wait until right. our the Christmas next... Special episode i mean there is a cliffhanger if you never ever you know had an excuse to come back and listen to yeah uh whiskey unscripted after listening to an episode there it is you want to find out what's in the door 24. great gordon all i have to say is well i i know you're very busy what's lined up for the next a uh, couple of weeks over christmas um, i've got busy. more i've been doing what i'll tell you what i did this morning uh, i did a i did a live tasting into shanghai china this morning um on well, they don't do Teams, they they don't do Zoom, they have their own software. So I've had to download some some Chinese software onto my computer, which is at the IT department, absolutely apoplectic. But it wow. went well, and we were launching a new product. More details to follow into China, but uh, a really exciting product for uh, for one of our brands, which we, we, we will reveal oh, a little bit more. Um, an exclusive for that part of the world but um yeah and it was interesting to see that in china and this is a really they were all sat in a restaurant like normal mm -hmm. uh, and i was like oh look at that that looks amazing to be able to sat, sit in a restaurant like normal which i was like that's incredible what the our sort of distributor had said over there is that everybody has to submit all the information of how they got there um what seat they were in on the train when they got off the train, when they, how they got to the, all this has to be submitted for them to attend something like this, so that if somebody does break out in, unfortunately, the virus, they can tra trace it, and it just takes the tracing a bit more to a different level, maybe, than we're doing in this country. Yeah. But uh, but if it means you can all sit together in a restaurant, yeah, well, absolutely. So there was 35, 35 people. Uh, who had the misfortune to see me on a big screen um, talk about talk about whiskey? So, yeah, that was quite interesting, um, uh, and that was good. So, yeah, we've got a few more of them. We've got a few more tastings coming up as yep. well. I think for any of our evenings. American friends, because that's the second group of people listening to the Whiskey Unscripted, will be dropping into America on the tenth of December. Yes, yes, Gordon. Yes, we we you shall. That'll be good. That's right. Um, and that's really just bring along a Glengoyne and. Uh, and 
have a have a bit of chat with us. That's so it. that's exciting. When are you finishing up for Christmas? Yeah, I think Gordon around about Christmas Eve. The sauna turns into an elf workshop, so I've got quite a lot of work to do before midnight on Christmas Eve. <laughs> making <laughs> Right, okay. Making, making all the uh, gifts. So uh, yes. Yeah, I could keep forward to it. Fantastic. Oh, so we've good. got one episode one one episode yes. to go before the end of Christmas. Or before Christmas, sorry. And uh we want any if anybody wants to get in touch they can yeah, please do yes. have have a, I don't know, I think we've had about three emails through the whole thing. Um we'd love to give some shouts uh, out and some comments of what you're drinking. We'd like to do a wee food I'd like to do a wee food thing next week as well about pairing whiskies and oh, food. At Christmas I, I could get some year. I might get some I might buy some M and S party food and uh, <laughs> sit here and pair some whiskey and food. That's a great idea. And uh, I think we should just finish off if we get permission, Mr Dave Arcari. Um, wonderful blues musician who absolutely loves his whiskey. Let's play out with some Mr. Arcari. De- Gordon Dundas, thank you very much. Bye bye. In good company, doing it this way since 1833. Staying ahead on the whiskey trail. Oh, staying ahead. On the whiskey trail